I think like with building a culture, you have to be really intentional. And I think you could talk to a lot of leaders and they'll tell you like we have a great culture. To take that a step further, like asking a leader, how do you define culture is a really important question. You know, in my world, if we had a bad culture in an already high attrition business, you do run the risk of like, instead of it being an average 14 month, you know, time and seat, it could be an average three month if, if you suck or if culture sucks. Right. So then like with that being the case, you have to be intentional in how you define it. Welcome to the premiere episode of Beyond the Ping Pong Table, the podcast that delves deep into the dynamics of workplace culture. I'm your host, Farron Tabrizi. Our very first guest is none other than Ramsey Kaur, a seasoned professional with over a decade of experience in the realm of tech sales. Ramsey currently serves as a sales development leader at Imply, a company revolutionizing real-time analytics for businesses worldwide. Ramsey, I'm excited to have you here today. Your journey from a sales background to a management role and then to a global leadership position is nothing short of fascinating. Could you walk us through your remarkable path to where you are today? And to kick things off, let's rewind the clock back to your very first job. First job? First job was... Remember. Yeah, I remember. It was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was a an ice cream shop. I used to I used to get you know it was a ice cream, like not only scooping it for people, but <laughs> I used to wear the costume. I had this like swirly ice cream uh, like hat I had to wear, and I was handing out coupons at a parking lot. It was it was fun. It was silly, but you know, you're a teenager in high school, you just, yeah, whatever you can get, you'll take. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I uh, I worked at like you know, grocery stores, I did a, you know, a lot of different things, but I actually got into sales probably when I was like 18. It was a, it was, it was retail, right? So okay. like, uh, you probably remember Radio Shack. It's a, you know, literally oh, yeah. a dead dinosaur now, but like at that time they were uh, still doing all right, kind of pivoting into selling phones and TVs, but they were pretty big on electronics to start with. But like you learn sales, right? You just learn like kind of how to interact with people, yeah. uh, solve problems for them, get paid a commission for it. Uh, and it was interesting. I ended up working at Best Buy for a little bit. I sold jewelry for a little bit. I worked at a, you know, telecom provider, uh, doing sales there for a little bit. Um, but I would say like, like the real, like noteworthy work. I think the word, word, like my lifestyle actually changed. I was doing something more interesting. Um, it was the first time I got into a, a tech sales job. Um, it was a company called a uh, Qualys. They were selling cybersecurity software. Um, I had just graduated college. I graduated super late. I graduated at 26. Uh, it took me a, a, a while to get that all done, but I just kind of put that on the back burner because I was like working and, you know, doing music and it wasn't really a priority until everything else sort of stopped working well. Um, <laughs> and that was cool. It was a lot of fun, uh, super technical products. It was fun to learn that technology. And I actually, I think like that was the job where I realized I, I had a weird superpower. I didn't realize that like, I'm pretty good at uh understanding technical concepts and then being able to sell that well and uh and then I ultimately actually at that job is where I became a manager for the first time I was like a promoter to take over that team and um, harsh learning experience you know going from an individual contributor where you're like I justified my employment today look at this deal I just closed I'm awesome right like I should be here I deserve to be to going to a manager where like your team is doing that and you're trying to figure out like what do I do here actually yeah <laughs> I didn't really get like a playbook on how to transition. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was hard, but it was a good learning. You know, I just kind of got thrown into the deep end and learned how to hire, how to retain, you know, how to performance manage when people aren't doing super well, how to manage up, how to manage down. Like 
it took me a little while to get my bearings, but I think once I did, I got exposed to the experiences. It was, it was good. Um, I liked the technical space. I joined a software a DevOps company, software development tools uh, a little bit after that. I learned a lot about um, data and the data sphere. Um, that's where I'm at now. Um, I had never been in a, a, a global leadership role before. Um, so this is the first time I get to do that. And like, I knew that was the next step for me because like, you know, you figure out the nuances of like building culture, hiring people, you know, in the US, like you, you, you kind of get that down. But then it's pretty interesting when you realize like, oh, crap, like I got to I got to hire somebody, you know, in a different country. Like, what are the laws around hiring those individuals? And like, what do they have to do to leave that organization to come into a new organization? How do you think about currency? How do you think about do you have an official entity there? It's really interesting stuff. So like I knew I wanted to get exposed to that and figure out sort of what that was going to look like. Could you share your insights on the unique challenges and experiences associated with onboarding when team members are located in vastly different time zones? I'm a really big believer in this idea that when somebody joins, the quality of onboarding should not be parallel to the availability of a manager, right? And so like I, I make it a point to make sure that that like I can deliver the same onboarding experience to somebody who lives here in San Jose. Um, as they would maybe in Israel or, or or in Hong Kong or abroad. And that means like being hyper intentional and scheduling the time, kind of reworking your schedule. If you do got to wake up really early, it's not even just a matter of like waking up. It's like, it's being present. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's showing up with that same degree of excitement you would if it was, you know, 11 a.m. Pacific in San Jose and, and, and meeting with these individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so like from a point of view of a story, yeah, you know, hired um, individual recently, uh, you know, he's, he's in Israel. Our time zone between California and Israel is, uh, it's tricky to kind of get right. You know, um, we get like a two hour window basically where, where we get the opportunity to also interesting about Israel, but, and this actually goes back to that earlier question. They work um, Sunday to Thursday, right? So uh, Friday, Saturday is the weekend. Saturday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday is my weekend. So we only actually get four days a week. We get to, we get to work alongside one another. And so like navigating that too, it's like, how do I make sure, you know, you got what you need on Sunday. We'll meet on Monday. So you, you don't know, ever have to know. meet them on Sunday though. Is that I mean I I I could I could and and, and I will say this like if it if it warranted I absolutely would you know at the end right. of the day, I guess I could say this like you you know you step into a global sort of leader role some people will probably disagree with the comment I'm about to make but I I kind of believe that um it's your responsibility to be available whenever the call beckons and you know if it's Sunday if it's Saturday if it's midnight if it's it it, it doesn't matter like if it's if it's needed I you know, I got to be able to call uh and, and respond to whatever's whatever's needed um i haven't yet had to and i think he's been set up you know in a in a, in a good way but you know um okay. it just it was interesting trying to figure out like how to how to align you know our our timing so we can get like a really sort of proper onboarding keep it structured well also feel for him too you know because it's late for him so yeah. it's an equal side sacrifice for both of us but like mm -hmm. when we're both in it we're both excited about it it just um reinforces the fact that it must be a valuable use of time right? Mm, like, yeah. Have to be prepared. You've got to have an agenda. Imagine how much it would suck if like, you know, your boss was like, Hey, um, put an invite on your calendar at 7 PM your time. And they show up like, don't really have an agenda. I just wanted to check in. How are you doing? And like, dude, like I gotta get dinner. Like I gotta go get, you know, get some of my life. Like, please make this useful. If we're going to have these meetings. Right. So. 100%. So yeah. Yeah. It's uh, still going through it. He's still, you know, kind of going through the onboarding, you know, remember I'm also still new too. I'm like six months in. So, uh, uh but it's been good it's an interesting experience like it's exactly what i was looking for when i joined here so you know That's even crazy. even if it can be strenuous and i'll show up groggy sometimes like i'm still pumped like i'm in general philosophically it fills my cup 
I'd like to delve into the topic of work-life balance. Could you discuss the strategies you employ to promote it within your workplace and how you personally set an example as a leader for your team? Yeah, absolutely. Look, like uh, one interesting thing about the kind of teams that I manage is, um, is I, I look after a group, it's called a sales development team. And like, we kind of focus on creating pipeline for revenue. The thing that's interesting about this role is that it's it's a somewhat entry-level sales role uh, though I would argue, you know, if you were on my team, the bar is pretty high, the standards and the expectations are pretty high. Um, but it is somewhat entry level in that, like, you know, a lot of individuals who are trying to break into tech, it's a pretty good springboard. Like you can get into a more sort of formal closing sales career. You can move into a leadership career. I've seen that happen many times. You can move into a marketing role. You can move into uh, a recruiter role, an HR type role. I've seen people move into product. I've seen people move into engineering and also vice versa, engineering into sales. Right. But for that reason, it's kind of like an entry point into tech. Uh, and it's a grind. It's hard. A lot of the job is like, you know, you're building email campaigns, you're doing cold calls, right? You're doing uh, social media campaigns. Um, it's a lot of inputs. You're not always getting, you know, the right amount of output you want. And kind of by nature, that means it's a somewhat high attrition business. You know, I think the average SDR sales development rep, that's not you know, what I look after. Um, this isn't just in my team. This is just in general. They, they stay in the role for about 14 months. Uh, you know, before they move on. And usually you want them to move on for the good reason. You promote them from within, they, you know, find that new thing. And awesome. um, if you can get to a point where majority of your attrition is the positive one, then then that's great, right? You're always going to have some that like burn out, don't want to do it. And also some that like try, but just can't cut it. And it sucks when that happens. Uh, but by design, it's a somewhat high attrition business. That means when you think about culture, culture is literally everything. I mean, literally everything. It is the piece that like, binds people gets them out of bed in the morning gets them into the grind gets them excited about the grind so like yeah work-life balance it's an overwhelming hell yeah i think about it you know like like uh uh as an example you know i make it a point almost every month i'll go into our, our hr software and i look to see like who who's taking pto and who's not oh. and if you're not taking pto i get aggressive with you <laughs> I get mean. I'm like, dude, you haven't taken a vacation in like yeah. seven months. Are you nuts? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm, I'm like right on the cusp of like falling apart. Get out of here. Go do anything, please. Right. right. I need your need your batteries recharged. I need you refreshed. You know. 100. Um. So I'm big about that. Absolutely too. Like I I try and make it a point. Like be sensitive about people's time zones. You know, if you're a manager, you're sending a note at like 9 p.m. Somebody might feel obligated to have to respond at that time. And even if in your head, like, oh, you know, I hope they read it tomorrow morning and back and get back to me. They don't know what you're feeling. And they're seeing like, oh, shit, my, my manager's hitting me up at, you know, late in the evening. Even something simple, like scheduling your message to send in the morning. Right. Yeah. Those things go a long way because you're really, really being sensitive to that work-life balance. And um, I make it a point to do that. Right. Like I want people to be able to do their lives. You shouldn't, you know, uh, you should work to live, not the other way around. I had to, Absolutely. I had to get that phrase down. What does company culture mean to you? I think of culture as having like three pillars and everything that I do in service of culture is just around these three, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of them is this idea of like development, this ongoing development, right? Like every day you should feel like I'm learning more, like 1% a day I'm growing. That's, that's kind of the, you know, the motto in my group, aspire to grow 1% a day. Right. And, and here's the thing about this is like in the beginning, it's really easy because you're like, I'm learning all this new stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> right. But then you start coasting and you're doing good. It's actually pretty hard to like force growth and force development. Oh, and like yeah. those are the folks I'm thinking about. Yeah. Right? You're in the seat eight, nine months. It's like, 
what did you learn today? What did you try new today? Like, and you really got to be intentional about that, right? Um, but that means like how you make it certain investments, uh, the people that you bring on, uh, the kind of education, you know, you're, you're wanting to deliver, uh, where you, where you might pull certain resources from, et cetera. Like you really got to be intentional about that development and like ongoing. And it's not something where it's like, Hey, like once a month, we're going to do a training. It's like, you get into a one-on-one with somebody you're talking about development. Mm-hmm. What things did you learn today? What did you do? That was interesting. Let's look at the data. Let's try and tie the data to, you know, what you actually did. Let's yeah. try and teach something, you know, as, as regularly as possible. Um, and I think that that's fairly straightforward, but it's a good thing. You should leave the team feeling like I'm a totally different person than when I joined this team. Like I'm smarter, I'm better. I know how to do things, you know, in a more professional way. And that's exciting. Um, I think the second is trust. You know, I I do operate under the, the idea that like trust is earned, not expected. And I kind of view that as a two-way street. And that's especially true when like, if I bring somebody new on, I don't expect them to trust me yet. And I make it my point to earn it, Right. But on that same token, like, I want them to earn it too, you know, um, when you trust your peers, when you feel like you've got a safe space, like, you know, think about how powerful it is for somebody to tell you, like, like, I'm not in a good headspace, I'm, I'm depressed, you know, things are going on in my life, it's impacting my work, like, you know, your ability to sort of step back, give them the room to figure out what they need for themselves, you know, and then sort of come up with a plan on how to re-engage, when to re-engage, you know, sort of identifying people's boundaries. Um, people remember that. I know I did when my managers did that for me, like that really, really, really resonated well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always make it a point to build trust. And then uh, the third one is the easiest one. It's success. You just want people to feel like they're winning. Like you, want to, you want them to feel good. You want them to make high commissions. You want them to hit their quotas. You want them to, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy promotions and like celebrate that. When you get a culture of success, like it becomes a flywheel. People want to work for you. People want to bring their all every day. They got a reason to get up in the morning and, uh, so I think like everything that I do when I'm thinking about myself as a leader, it's all in service of those three pillars, right? Like, oh. like I must have a good culture in order for me to be successful, in order for the company to be successful. And so how you go about defining it and showing up every day in service of it, it's it's it's, it's critical. Um, and those are your personal, like your team. Right. Those right. aren't like company pillars. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's me personally. Yeah. But like, yeah. to be clear, I would not join a company who wasn't like, indirect lockstep with my values right, Again, right. Like, I would not be able to be a good leader if I you know if my if my boss for example was the polar opposite and was like never trust people people suck you shouldn't yeah. trust them. it'd be really I wouldn't know how to work like I wouldn't know how to do my job frankly yeah you know uh so yeah I mean I mean you, you do kind of have to be intentional and in making sure like and it's more than just somebody saying yeah we're you know great culture and I trust my people and we develop them and they're successful like you you really yeah. got to actually like get into the weeds how do you do this what do you invest in you know how do you how do you put your money where your mouth is really is, is yeah. part of it and yeah when I saw that here it was easy street again like it was like a it just checked every box yeah exactly yeah. so okay this is a uh, an interesting uh, statistic I found when I was doing some research, which I just kind of ties into what we're talking about with the trust. Um, it was a Harvard uh, Business Review. 58% of employees trust strangers more than their bosses. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> what do you think about that? I mean, it's like shocking, but then I also kind of understand, you know? What do you that think makes about me that? sad. That I know. Makes right? me, that makes me sad. <laughs> that makes me really sad. Uh <laughs> Why do you think that is? Thank you for telling me that. You know, it's it's like even as you said it, like instantly, I'm like, oh shit, am I like? <laughs> do I think things are better than they are? Like, it, it's like a that's like a, a 
man in the mirror moment um <laughs> i could see why i mean i could see why look like sometimes uh sometimes people get moved into leadership roles maybe a little bit earlier in their career than they would expect if you worked for me when i first became a manager you i mean you would have been like yeah he's he's cool he's got my back but like i'm not learning anything I'm not yeah. growing. I'm not doing anything, you know, because I, I was I was I wasn't a good leader in my first, you know, year or two. I didn't know what I was doing. I was I was learning yeah. too. I imagine some of that probably exists there. There is probably an element where like like feeling like you can be totally real with your your leader might feel a little bit off limits. And and maybe that's actually okay too. Like there there does kind of have to be a line, I think. Like your manager should be somebody you trust. It should be somebody like, like, you know, you look up to, or, you know, at a bare minimum respect, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean you should have to be their friend, you know? And so I could, I could kind of see maybe where that, where that comes in. Right. Um, I don't personally try and build friendships necessarily, but I do try and build bonds. Right. And those bonds do turn into friendships. Like my last company I left, it's crazy how many people I still communicate with that were yeah. on my team. And, you know, it's cool. Now we can actually be friends and not just, right. like, you know, <laughs> employer employee relationship yeah yeah um, that's that's gonna haunt me for a little bit i'm not gonna <laughs> now i'm now i'm I've, so i'm gonna go back to the sort of drawing board individual way to do it. yeah trust me am i doing a good job am i, am I really earning that from them yeah it's, it's a, an interesting i think it's an interesting balance i'm curious if you have maybe a story around how your team you know within your team um how company cultures uh, had a had a positive impact on their life, both, you know, maybe internally or externally outside of the company. Yeah, I worked at a, a company called Confluent prior to um, Imply, sort of a similar category, similar space. It's in the it's in the database field. And I was I took on a similar job. I was building um, a sales development team when I had joined. Uh, Confluent was just like a right place, right time com company. Technology was taken off. Market was taken off. Like customers were like literally tripping over themselves to give us money to buy the stuff. It was it was crazy. Honestly, it never worked at a place like that. Uh, but that also meant it came with some really cool growth potential. And from my point of view, that means like if I can promote people fairly regularly, mm -hmm. like that's going to make my job really easy because then I can hire like the very best people and they know they can get exactly what they want out of this experience and have something to look forward to beyond, you know, just my team. Uh, so that got me really excited. And, uh, yeah, like I remember some of those like first few promotions, oh, it was crazy too. Cause the pandemic was happening and I joined uh confluent end of, uh, end of 2019 pandemic happens March, 2020 and business just like shut down. I don't mean like, like we stopped working, but like, it was like, pause, pause, hiring, pause, everything like wait and see. Right. And you had a lot of individuals who, frankly, were like deserving of moving up. Uh, they were incredible performers. They showed up every day. They're like they're people I would have. I would can still continue to uh, to advocate for, but there was just no opportunity for them. Like they're getting kind of burnt out. You know, longer timelines than they had expected. They weren't feeling super good about it. And it sort of felt felt like suddenly all at once, like we just acknowledged this is sort of the new reality. We'll continue to navigate it as as it happens and. Yeah more opportunities started to pop up for, for promotions. Um, and I got very aggressive on trying to promote literally all of the top producers at once, um, which was a good learning for me. You don't do that. That's not a good idea because, you know, I go from like riding high, killing it every quarter. And all of a sudden, like all the people who were the very best are not on my team anymore. So it's a yeah. true rebuild. Um, but I actually felt like that was okay. I frankly, like I, I, I took that pain on my shoulders because I wanted them to enjoy that, that, that kind of career growth. And, and it wasn't that painful anyway, we were, we were able to bounce back pretty quick. Uh, but I'm really pumped because every one of those individuals, like, um, 
they're doing phenomenal. You know, they they ended up making a couple moves after that first promotion. Uh, got really good jobs, making really good money. Those are some of the people I'm still in like like very regular contact with. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, yeah, like buying houses and you know moving into new cities and starting families and like to be clear, they were phenomenal at what they did. All I was able to do was really kind of like help them find a door that they can walk through to like move, but they deserved it. I mean, to be clear, like these are really phenomenal individuals. Um, that was like a good reminder of why I did this job, especially like one of, one of, one of the women that was on my team when she said like, Hey, like I finally get to, you know, go buy a house literally. That's uh, Cause I mean, this, I, I just, I don't know. It's just such really, a feat. Let's just, you know, in yeah. the area. It really <laughs> fills your cup. It really fills your cup, you know? Yes, like, it does. Awesome. Let's yeah. go. Congrats. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, you know? Um, yeah. And, and you build like lifelong bonds, I think with something like that. So I, uh, I love it. It's why I do this job. You know, it's a hard job. Like sales development can suck. There's no question. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants to get cold called. Think about what it's like on the other end. They're like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get rejected left and right, but I'm hoping to find that, you know, diamond in the rough. Uh, it can be a grind. You know what I mean? And yeah. so like, it's just a good reminder that when you can help sort of elevate people and put them in that next step, like uh, there's really no feeling like it. You know. How do you celebrate wins large or small? Yeah. So like, there's a, there's a couple of things I've, I've kind of noticed, like a, a lot of companies sort of embrace, but I think they're all good things, right? Because it's an opportunity to get like regular recognition and they actually become meaningful when you see people's names pop up over and over again for like yeah. great ones they do. Because then it builds like a personal brand in that company where you're like, yeah. like that's somebody we need to invest in more. Oh, we like want that, that person. Yeah. This they're doing yeah. you know, good shit. Like we want that. So I never like, thought about a personal brand within a company. That's like- totally. Oh, that's a huge, oh no, no. Personal brand is so critical, oh, right? Oh, we got to talk about that, like, but we'll keep going. Critical, critical, right? It's critical within a company because especially in a remote world, you don't see these people. They don't know how you operate. So if it's just like, you know, here's this person who keeps winning for various reasons. Like, yeah, in a lot of ways, if you're in a meeting with that person, you better meet them for the first time. Somebody doesn't want you to work with that person. You just already have this expectation. They have a high caliber around how they operate and it gets you pumped, right? Like you, yeah. you want to work with people like that. Yeah. Um, some things I've seen, you know, like, like, people do things, you know, where they have like Slack channels where they like kind of celebrate to the whole, the whole company's in it. So even little wins, like, Hey, this person did something really cool for this customer. They really went out of their way, deserves recognition. Hey, this new person who just joined, just got their first, you know, fill in the blank, like uh high five more to come. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like that stuff, it feels good. You know, you're getting your name out there. It's, it, it goes a long way. Uh, but again, kind of going back to the comment I made a little earlier that because like my world can be a high attrition business, like I don't actually think that's enough. Like the, the, we have a lot of like official programs within the company to recognize a lot of things. Um, every all hands, we're shouting somebody out for, you know, uh, how somebody may align with company values and they're going to win an award. Um, I, you know, back in August, like I got one of these, you know, for a uh, uh, uh for value yeah it's tight it's cool like it's a good it's like sitting right here next to me and i'm pumped and like you know yeah, it's like, like hell yeah everything. i love yeah for sure and you know music everywhere i'm obviously like right. it's, it's a particular kind of pumped about this <laughs> so cool. but then like to stay, take it a step further there's also this component where like uh sometimes you actually have to dig to go find things to recognize to recognize people for and i i i'm intentional about that talk about that I mean, yeah right like uh it won't show up on a dashboard. You won't, we won't get like an email from a customer or somebody saying like this person did something, you know, phenomenal, but you might see like, Hey, this person, uh, 
you know, was able to get a meeting with the CEO of a company, you know, to have a potential sales conversation. Uh, and you say to yourself, oh, that's really cool. That's hard to do. Like, what do they do? Um, follow that curiosity, right? I would literally go dig in and see like, what did you send? You, what was that email you wrote? What did, what did you say on that call? And it was like, you did something really interesting there. I want the whole team to know, frankly, they would benefit in replicating it. Mm-hmm. And that's just really cool. You got to get shouted out for it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's one of those things where like anytime there's like a there's like a a win that looks really cool. I really want like the whole story behind it. So if I go megaphoning it to people like it's like this is exactly what this person did. This is why they're so cool. This is why they're so great. You know why the work was so awesome uh, and why they deserve recognition for it. But it goes back to the thing I was mentioning earlier. You must be intentional about it. Right. Otherwise, you'll only ever recognize people for where they are in a dashboard or you know, what email you get from a, from a customer about how happy they were and, you know, working with that individual. Uh, when you're intentional about it, people get pretty excited. That's like, you're, you're literally seeing me grow. And I, and I appreciate yeah. that. And, you know, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's worked well so far. I think actually I, I found people seem to appreciate that maybe even more than sort of the, the corporate recognition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. So, so you have an interesting role being on sales and also in leadership. Um, how do you believe um, company culture impacts the bottom line, the company's bottom line? Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, I'll take a step back. You have to like, kind of look at some some data points regarding like productivity and what an individual can do, um, you know, like how long it takes for them to be productive, right? Like you join a, if you were to join a company like mine, you know, a, it's a really technical product. It's going to take you three months really to learn how to even like, like understand at its core what it is that we're doing. And it'll probably take you three more months to get to a point where uh, you're, you're doing it at like, like a professional level, you know, we're like, you're, you're really great. You're, you know, you, you get it, you know, who you're reaching out to, you know what you're saying. But imagine a world where like people couldn't, like nobody could ever make it to that six month mark, right? That means like you'll always have an underdeveloped sales organization and they'll never be able to, you know, operate at their full potential. There's also this element too, where like the longer you're in the role, the better you get. And so you can make this assumption where like, hey, if you're more productive in year two than you are in year one, my my goal as a leader should be to like get you to year two because mm-hmm. you're going to produce more just by, you know, naturally sort of being in that role. So I take that data lens first, because when that data backs up that sentiment I just made, then you go to like, okay, cool. Like those are all numbers. That's all good and well, but these are people we're talking about. That's when it's like, cool. What is culture? Why is trust important? Why is development important? Why is success important? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then when you can tie that back to, yo, you're in the role, you're doing better every year than, you know, the, the, the year prior, you're making more money than the year prior. Um, you're more successful than the year prior and mm-hmm. you're still here with us. Like, you know, that's a big win to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like when, when, when you keep people in the seat in the long term, they're just they do better each year. They're more productive each year. Um, and I think that's specifically how it impacts the bottom line. Uh, the other small nuance is like interviewing and recruiting is hard. It's lengthy. You know, you might go through like seven to 15 candidates before you make that hire. That's seven to 15 minimum one hour interviews. It could be way more. A lot of conversations around like the money, the timing, you know, who you work with and in a sales world, like territories you might support, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yeah, that could be daunting. You know what I mean? And if you have to do that, if that's your full-time job, how can you do anything else? You know? So uh, if I can free that up because people want to work here, they're happy to work here. They're excited to be here. You know uh, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. And then I can shift to focus on like 
development and, you know, getting people success, building trust and not just spending all my time recruiting, 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 interviewing, 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 interviewing. Yeah. It also just burns me out too. I mean, I, I do love. Recruiting. How many interviews do you think you've conducted? I know how many I've done. Uh, what number would be outrageous to you? Oh my God. I don't know. Um, okay. Over the course of 10 years. Yeah. 500. Would that be an outrageous number to you? I think that sounds like a lot. That's like 50 a year. Yeah. Uh, you're actually not too far. Yeah. It was a little okay. over 600, a little over 600 interviews. Wow. Uh, you in know the record. number. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you get to a point sometimes where like at my last company is where I got the bulk of it. I think I did over 400 interviews at, at, at Confluent. Uh, How many we terminations have you had to make? A lot less. Out of curiosity. A lot less. <laughs> a lot less. A lot, That's a good sign. Less. That's a good sign. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe a dozen. Maybe a okay. dozen. Maybe a dozen. So, okay. That so, I don't count. I will say, like, like I don't like to do it. I it's it's the worst part of a job. Oh, it's the worst. It, Absolutely. It, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Um, so then and then now you're in a position where you don't have to do the interviews so much anymore. Right? No, not true. Not true. So, I, oh, not true. Okay. I you know what though? I um that's maybe more my fault. Because I, I just, when you're building a good team, uh, you want people to like, want to work with one another. You want people to be mm -hmm. able to trust each other. It's not just mm -hmm. trust between me and you. It's trust between your peers. And so like, no, I do, I do want to, and maybe I'm just a control freak. I am a control freak. That is the reason. Like I'm admitting it. I'm a control freak. This is the issue. <laughs> this is the reason why I do 600 fucking interviews. It's because like, I want to make sure we're making the right hire. Okay. And the right hire isn't just, can you do the job? It's like, are you going to enjoy the people you work with? Are they going to enjoy you? Like, can they trust you? Can you trust them? Uh, what's cool is this last conference. I, I was just there this, uh, this, this last week. I got to see a lot of my old, um, my old colleagues. And uh, I, it was great to hear, like some of these folks I hired are now like roommates with one another. You know, they're like really good friends. They're going out every Friday. Uh, they're like one another's best friends. And in a lot of ways, that was by design. That's another way yeah. to you know, like protect against attrition. When you got more at stake than just the job, it's like, these are my people. This is like yeah. these are people I want to be around. I love that. Yeah, we were like pretty intentional in trying to build that. Um, so yeah, I, it's why I, yeah, I do it to myself, but I, it's for the right reasons. Can you share some insights into your recruiting process? What strategies or approaches have enabled you to consistently attract the right talent to your organization? Yes, there's one thing that has worked really well for me, which is, and, and it's just from the experience of having also interviewed a bunch of times, I don't really see the point in being like mean or being like, 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 like out of bounds to somebody in an, in an interview. I purposefully try and be somebody you want to work with. Like yeah. at the end of the day, you're interviewing with a company. You really don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Really have no idea. Like I can tell you, oh, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're gonna love working here. It's amazing. Blah, 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 blah. And then you get there and you're like, well, this place is a shit show. What, right. what did I sign up for? Right. Right. Uh, but because people have that uncertainty, you have to imagine this in a scenario where like you really like a candidate and they have three competing offers. They're gonna remember, like, I hate to put it as rudimentary as this. Who had the best vibe? Yeah. Where did I feel like I get to be myself, you know, the 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 best? And so like. Um, for me, what's helped me in a huge way with like hiring the people I want to and like not getting beat by, you know, competitive offers is uh, being myself, being as real as possible, being radically transparent, you know, uh, but also just trying to like demonstrate why this is a good place. It's a lot of selling myself, you know, it's I, uh, 
I, I get the example. Like, give me an example. Like, like say I'm sitting in an interview. I want to hear what you right. said. I would, yeah. I would, I would literally kick the interview off by saying something like, first and foremost, I really appreciate you giving me your time. You know, I know that uh, I'm on this end considering you, but you're also, you know, considering us. And we want to, we need to check your boxes the same way, you know, you're, you're going to check ours. Yeah. What that means is in this interview, no question is out of bounds. Anything you might deem as a hard question, I love them. I want you to ask them. I want to know what gives yeah. you anxiety, right? Uh, I want you to feel comfortable asking me anything. There's no such thing as a hard question in this interview. So like, like I want to be as radically transparent as, as possible. I want to tell you the good, but I also want to tell you the bad and the ugly, right? So whatever I can tell you to help this be an informed decision for you, please use me as that resource. Mm -hmm. um, it's crazy that you can offer that. A lot of people don't take it, but the ones that do like, and you can address them directly and you feel good about them and they feel good about you. It's in the bag. Like that's it. Like you, that's it. You've, you've got it. They, they see it. They know what they're signing up for. They know what's going to suck, but they know it's going to be great. They feel good about, you know, the opportunity at large and, you know, they get, they get pumped about it almost a hundred percent of the time where that's happened. You know, the person's ended up, ended up joining the uh, the team and yeah. ended up also being successful. You know, when people yeah. can tell you I have anxieties about work-life balance, I have anxieties about uh, promotion timelines. I have anxieties about overly complicated technologies, right? Like, when you can address them directly, or if you can say like, look, yeah, it is, it's, it's hard, not for the faint of heart. I'll be mm -hmm. honest. Like if the website didn't make sense and you try it over and over and over again, like we might actually not be a good fit, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's a good thing too. You know, it's a good thing too. It's, 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 it's a good thing to have that sort of real conversation, but uh, that's what, yeah. I mean, just as, as an example, and I make it a point every interview, I start off that way, you know, because then when you feel like that, that tone has been set, then it's like, we're equals. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not like the big bad interviewer, like you're interviewing me too. And I, and I want that to be made clear. Like I got to check your boxes. You're trying to check mine, but I'm trying to check yours as well. Right. I love that. As a video producer, I have to ask if any of the organizations you've worked for leveraged video in any way to tell your brand story. Absolutely. My last company, it's, it's funny. I left right before the program launched, but, uh, uh, my last company grew to be like really, really big in a really short period of time. And that meant mm -hmm. hiring was a constant, right? And mm -hmm. like, uh, I would say it's only maybe more recently it became, I say household name, but it's not, but it became more of like a, a, a company you might've heard of, right? Mm -hmm. But before that, that wasn't the case, right? So it was a lot of like educating on who we are, what we're doing, why is it a great place to work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, we built uh, this thing we call the summit program, and it's kind of an end-to-end -end training program from the moment you start until the moment you graduate from the team and get promoted. Mm -hmm. So it was a really official track endorsed by the company. So people could see like, oh, you guys, like you have an official like set of steps and milestones you require me to go to. And when I hit them, I can get promoted. That's cool. That means it's objective, right? Uh, but part of that program wasn't just to satisfy the folks internally. It was also to let the public know about like why this is a great place to work. Right. So we absolutely dove into the testimonials of those individuals who were yeah. both recent hires, but also those folks that were promotes. Yeah. So you can literally hear from folks themselves. Like I had a great career. Now yeah. I'm working this, you know, this new role, making all this money. I love my team. Yeah. I love the company. We're doing great. Like, yeah, you're going to feel good about, about, you know, at a minimum applying for it. You know, and imagining yourself being being you know potentially hopeful a uh, a story in that regard. Right. Um, I think it's super powerful because you really don't know what you're going to get. You can read Glassdoor, you can read the job rec, you can go on forums, you can do whatever, you can talk to people, but you never really know what you're going to get. Anything that you can use as an asset to help people alleviate that anxiety of of newness and the art of the possible at this or this organization, I think it's so 
so critical. Like I'm such a believer now and it's, I'm not at the company anymore, but it's great to see on LinkedIn, like, you know, some of those former folks I worked with. It's like, yeah, I joined here because like, it's really sold on the career progression. And like, here I am 12 months later in a new role and I'm enjoying this like new thing. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and how many of these companies had a ping pong table? <laughs> that's funny. Uh, <laughs> three. Three head of there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh yeah, but like you only get the same people playing it. Like they're like, they're like accept, they're like, you know, <laughs> Olympic level ping pong players. And I'm like, I want to try. And it's like, I don't want to play anymore. This is no fun. This like, is not fun anymore. Yeah. Especially like in the NBA. I'm like in high school. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Okay. So as we wrap up, I feel like we can keep going. I have a lot more questions, but I think we've got a lot of great stuff here. Um, do you have any um, advice or key takeaways or anything you'd like to share with the audience? Um, I think just like the importance of being intentional. Like if it's, if it's about the topic of like what a good culture means, I think the number one thing is being intentional because the more intentional you are, uh, the more, the more you, you really dedicate time, you dedicate mental energy cycles, you dedicate resources to it. And when you do that, that leads to good outcomes, right? Um, people are unpredictable. You don't know how they may be feeling. The best thing you can do is try and create a safe space for them, support them, ensure they're developing, ensure they're growing, ensure that they're feeling success uh, and really work to build trust. Like that's just, it's, it's worked for me so far you know, in a, in an org like this. And I really can't imagine a world where I could be a leader and be successful, like without that as sort of a core principle, but it all starts with being intentional. When you're intentional about what it is you're doing, you're intentional for your people and towards your people. Um, they see it, they respect it, they emulate it, they bring it themselves, they do it with their own peers. And I do find that as sort of like, if nothing else, a little bit of a catalyst and, you know, building a really great culture, you know, at an organization. Those are some great words to end on. Build trust by being intentional. I love that. Thank you so much for being a guest, Ramsey, and best of luck to you. 